I'm recording. Let's do this shit. Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the podcast that makes fun of and analyzes horror movies. Today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topics, teenage girls and feelings. (laughs) I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. I'm Mary. I'm Mary. (laughs) And the movie we're going to be talking about today is Corey Finley's film Thoroughbreds. Um, So for your icebreaker, for our icebreaker, uh, I couldn't think of one. And so I just went with, uh, tell us a story about you and a horse. That's great. I love it. I feel like between the three of us. Megan, you go first. You go first. Okay. So I don't have any really cool, like, personal stories of me with horses. You know, like, I rode horses, I guess, when I was younger, but nothing super cool or funny. But when I was at my nephew's birthday party last January, my two little guys are close in age. They had, like, a little joint birthday party, and my sister-in-law rented a little, like, miniature Shetland pony. And they were all taking turns riding the horse, and we all go to cut the cake, and we all turn around, and the horse somehow got untied and was, like, trotting down the street of Charleston. And we're just like, what? (laughs) Little Sebastian. (laughs) Yeah, little Sebastian was making a breakaway. And it was in the park, like, in this little, like, suburban neighborhood in Charleston. There's just a horse just going down the road, clip-clopping. And we're just like, what the fuck, little Sebastian? Come back and eat some cake. It was just funny because it was like a kid's birthday party, and none of the parents were paying attention to anything because they were wine coolers. So we lost a horse. I mean, we got him back. What but... I, that's how I, how I'm told children's birthday parties go. Oh, yeah. it's like they're it's for adults. For parents to get very drunk. Yeah, but it was just funny watching because he was like freedom galloping. It takes a village to get all the parents drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Mary Kay's because I feel like it's going to be great. Um. Mine is a family story. Okay. My dad, when he was little, they rode horses a lot because they're from, well, I'm kind of from the country too, but it was real country when they were growing up. And so they, they rode and raised horses. And one of the horses, while my dad was feeding him, bit his hand. I almost broke one of his fingers. And so oh, my yeah. dad bit him back. Bit the horse? Yeah. Where did he bite the horse? Um, on the neck, I think. Okay. Why not? Yeah, well, you have to do it from the front, otherwise you're going to get kicked. Yeah, that was like, That's just how it goes. Um, and then mine was, uh, like, I have this scar on my neck that uh, looks like a bite. And so my dad, when I was a kid, started telling everyone that I got bit by a snake. And then I turned oh around gosh. and bit the snake, like, and, like just kind of turned my head and bit the snake. And um, he told that story, like, last week. Or somebody said, like, you had a mosquito bite on my neck. And my dad was like, no, that's where she got bit by a snake when she was little. And then she, like, turned around and bit the snake. And then both of the women that he was telling it to said, she's just like you. That's what you did with that horse. (laughs) He was like, yeah. So I don't even know if that – probably neither of those stories actually happened. But that's that's the first one I thought of. Also, horses are scary because they're super powerful. Like, we think we have control over them. But we don't. Like but they're we, a wild animal. We don't. So we trick them into thinking thing. we do. In yeah. my adult life, horses, cows, like animals of that size and power. My thing is, I have what I consider not to be a fear, but a, a healthy respect. Healthy respect, because you can kill me by accident. Yeah. How you feel about sharks in the ocean too? Uh, from our job <laughs> episode. Only fascination. Um, <laughs> the thing is, if I'm going to encounter a shark in the ocean. 
more likely than not, I went looking for it. It's true. Like, you know, like, I, know. I like felt a the shark same. that's going to yeah. kill me is unlikely. Like, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen as often as we think it does. That's sharks like swim up and are like, do, 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 bite. Um, <laughs> I am very like, I'm incredibly likely to run into, I live in Austin. People just like take their horses to the out. liquor store, for example, because the horse can make sure it doesn't run off the road. You know, like they're they're everywhere. It's kind of surprising. That's smart thinking. We still have mounted police here, so um, so we have those too. Yeah, Yeah, I'm likely to run into a horse. I I just I know that I don't know enough of the language to be sure that I don't offend it or upset it. Of course. So I just you know pet its face a couple times, then I'm like okay and run off. Mostly, that's not my horse story. That's a terrible horse story. Do you have one? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I did not have any of these fears. I had no fears. I was well, uh, right. When you're a kid, like nothing can kill you because you, yeah, you don't no, know. Nothing <laughs> can like, kill you. We, my mom was like, "We would take you. We would take you guys to the beach, and we didn't even have to look at for where your brother was. He was terrified of the water. He was terrified of like pretty much everything that could kill him because he seemed to have a healthy understanding. And you <laughs> would be like swimming before you could swim. You were like, "Ha! I can't touch anymore. It's fun." And you were like, just crawling your way out into the ocean <laughs> where you would die. Um, oh so the next door neighbors had this horse um, named Baymar, which incidentally I'm told is my Star Wars name, the first three letters of my last name and the first two of my first name. Or first two, I, three, whatever you know what I mean. Baymar. I dig it. Yeah. Um, sound, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was obsessed with this horse and I would go to, like, to the fence and like pet it and it was very nice and everything. And I really wanted to ride it and also I was a toddler at most. So that was not happening because you can't put a two-year-old unsupported on a horse, like just by itself. You can, but it wouldn't be wise. Uh, You'll end up like Bonnie Butler. My two-year-old ass can barely walk. I I was, I was a preemie. I didn't understand physical things. It wouldn't have been wise, but like somebody could have Mary was a feral angel. If you guys haven't seen the picture of her in that long tutu, She's like two. Oh you will gosh. see why she couldn't ride a horse. Oh, terrible news! It is I the might... cutest thing. Oh, I'm probably <laughs> a so good precious. year. I'm probably a good year older than you think I am in that picture. It took me a while mm-hmm. to catch up. I just looked like, <laughs> oh, like oh god. I said feral angel. I feel like that's pretty <laughs> accurate. So so yeah. So right before we moved, my parents, uh, like my dad, like held me up on the horse so I could ride Baymar around mm-hmm. the the paddock or whatever you call it. And it was, like, the best day of my life, and I was so proud of myself. And I was like, yeah, finally, I'm that horse-riding bitch that I always knew I was in my heart. Right, right. And now In I'm my like, head, you're Beyonce and that Daddy Lessons is, uh, Oh, wow, actually, video. that's real point. I just said he was, like, literally holding me up to do this. That's amazing. Um, yep, you're welcome. Thank you. And then um, now <laughs> I fear them and cower. Out of respect, just like the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just like Megan said. But Baymar, I, I know you're long gone. That was almost 30 years ago, but mad respect. You uh, you are a beautiful beast. Hopefully he didn't get put down the same way that Honeymooner got put down in this movie. Um, if, yeah. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Thoroughbreds yet, you can rent it on, I think I got it on Amazon Prime. Mary, you got it on iTunes? Oh, Amazon Prime too. Oh, I got it. It's on Amazon. I got it on iTunes because I um, forgot how Amazon Prime worked. 
Cool. Okay. (laughs) I think it costs like five bucks to rent, but totally worth it. I think worth five bucks for sure to watch. I had a a great Um, time. I I just, I enjoyed myself thoroughly at every moment. It, yeah, it's, uh, it starts off really funny. And then I was trying to pinpoint the place where it goes like, Oh, this is not a joke. Like this is not funny anymore. Um, but I thought we would start by saying like, what makes this movie scary? Because the the conceit, right, of this of this movie, if you've seen even the trailers, is that one of the girls has too many feelings and doesn't think anyone else does, and the other one just doesn't have any feelings at all. Which sounds really scary, but also uh, it's kind of, it sounds kind of awesome, actually. What do you guys think? I feel like I don't get a valid input here because I did not exactly feel the same as everybody about the movie. And I didn't get funny or scary from the film. I thought it was a great drama, but I did not get thriller and I did not get like, even like comedy noir from it. I don't, I didn't like chuckle at anything. The only part I chuckled at where she was just like, have you showered? She was like, no, I thought it pulled it off. And she's like, Oh, you're not. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At that point I was just like, huh? But then after that, like, I, was, I didn't really, I didn't get anything that really made it scary. And I thought it kind of played into the mental illness trope, which is my pet peeve a little bit there. Okay. So I didn't. How do you, how do you get that? Well, they, she goes like her exact quote and I pulled the quote up so I didn't have to just like paraphrase it. Mm-hmm. But so they're talking about how she's probably got, she's like, you sound like you have a disorder. Amanda does. And then. The other girl's like, you know, the shrink first thought it was borderline personality disorder. And then it was also severe depression on top of that. And now yesterday, it's also antisocial with schizoid tendencies. She's just flipping through random pages of DSM-5 and throwing medications at me. doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I have to work harder at life with my disorders. So, like, she admits that she's got a plethora of mental illnesses, but... I felt like that pointed to something that the movie doesn't unpack... And also, is I think I would imagine really challenging to unpack at this point, which is that the all three of us have worked in environments where we have met children, even young children, that we could look at and know. Like, oh, 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 I know what someone's going to call this in 10 years. Mm-hmm. But, like, medically, like, there's nobody, no one's allowed to call it that yet. You still, that's, that's the point. There's a reason we don't do it at this young age. You still have time. Things will change. You're going to change so much. But they were old enough to get a formal diagnosis, especially the ones that were given. Right, exactly. So, well, and I think we don't have a timeline for any of that, right? For when those those things were said. When those diagnoses Well, she told you two of them were in the last month in that quote. Right. Well, that's because because she'd been going because of the horse husband, right? Right. So I, I felt like I was like, well, it's worth, I feel like it might be worth digging into the fact that if the most appropriate diagnosis is uh, a a callous personality with antisocial tendencies, that's A, a relatively recent diagnosis. It's a relatively recent Mm -hmm. thing to come into existence. And B, doesn't mean she doesn't have feelings. That's where we run into trouble, right? Is that a lack of empathy is not a lack of feelings, and if she doesn't feel right. things like happiness or sadness, if she doesn't feel things like satisfaction or relief, if she doesn't feel things like frustration or anxiety, then like that that's that is something else probably. Yeah. Um, but if we're working from the premise that she has 
antisocial personality disorder with schizoid that, tendencies uh, and bipolar disorder and clinical depression and yeah, if, if, but but those are not what she has those are misdiagnoses right. and i'm not saying the, the doctors that, are just kind of trying incorrect. to throw stuff at her I'm because just, they've never seen that before yeah and that's more my point is that I would have preferred if they just didn't even mention that one line about any sort of diagnosis at all, instead of just being like, here's a bunch of mental illnesses that typically come with being a sociopathic animal killer. I just didn't feel it was necessary, and I really don't think it was necessary or needed if the movie was literally only going to be one hour and 32 minutes, including credits. You didn't have time to actually flesh that plot out. So if you were going to mention it all, you needed to lengthen that movie at least by 30 minutes, because it was... I mean, if you take the credits out of that whole time, it was an hour and 15 minutes. It- yeah, I think, I think that I, I do. I agree with you that they could have just abandoned the specifics of that and said, I would have liked oh, yeah, it I've much better. I've been to a shrink. I've been to a shrink every two days yeah. for the past month. She can't figure out what's wrong with me. I just don't have feelings. Exactly. Would have been much better, but she was like, here's all the time. Well, especially because that it, that's her perspective, right? She says she doesn't have feelings. Yeah. Which makes right. sense because she doesn't know what anyone else experiences. And I could, I can, I definitely had that thought while it was happening where I was like, well, I can't tell if this is like an interpretive thing that we're, that this is how she describes herself. So we're just going to roll with this on faith. Or if this is a case of the storytellers not like wanting to represent something specifically and then doing it unhelpfully. Well, the director, there's a quote, because I was looking up, like, interviews. It's one of my favorite things to do after we watch films is to go watch interviews, like, with the directors on this. And he touched on the topic of mental illness, which after I did my notes and I saw this, I was like, good, maybe he's going to explain himself. And he said that he didn't give her, like, an official diagnosis because he didn't want to put her into a box and wanted her to just be different. But then if that's the case, I would have just preferred you just didn't touch on it at all instead of just giving her 10 mic diagnosis, talking about mental illness for 30 seconds haphazardly and then moving on and never developing that for the rest of the film. But, but that's the thing, right? Is that she, that's not an illness. She's fine. Like she, she's logical and she doesn't make decisions emotionally. And what, what I felt like that line was doing is that's exposition so that we don't wonder, do you, is it this that you have? We're not trying to diagnose her yeah. because the shrinks well, have already done it poorly. The quote have just been, I've been like Mary said, I've been to the, a shrink a thousand times they've never figured out what's wrong with me I'm none of these things I just don't have feelings I would have rather just been this ambiguous thing other than I am these 16 diagnoses diagnoses and I okay still so that just, one line was not written the way that that uh, well, that line set up the rest of the it set up the premise for the entire film and set up her as a character and so I just I think as far as character development, it was done entirely wrong for me. I feel that too. I don't like to have conversations with, especially if I'm getting to know someone new and there's a potential for this to be like a meaningful relationship of some kind. At some point it's going to come up that like, oh yeah, I I take pills every day because I like the part where I feel like living. That's a good thing that I want to happen in my brain that doesn't happen if I do nothing. And... I don't, I, I, I'm always kind of braced for the impact of having to have a conversation with somebody where I dispel 75 things they think about how my brain works. Yes. That they've just gotten by accident or that they've gotten um, inadvertently or they've gotten mistakenly. Um, so I, I, I don't, 
I don't, I, I definitely got stuck on that for a second of, of the, like, this is not a real response. Like, this is not the most responsible way to represent. Yeah. I think that's, that's just what I was getting at. As far as terms of character development, I felt it was irresponsible and it yeah, set the tone and for at that. At the same time, that was it. the three people, the three people having this conversation right now, the three of us are uniquely positioned to have a point of view on this because this is something that we've all done. Yeah. Like as a, as a livelihood at some point in our lives, we've worked in environments where this was, this was it. This was the entire topic of conversation all day where we did check-ins 17 times a day. What's your name? How do you feel? What is your goal? Just for the next hour of your life, just to get through it. Um, well, I, I don't know what you do at your facility, Mike, but, um, yeah, and we did that, and then the first question was, how do you feel? Yeah. Because everyone has a feeling, but yeah. but not Amanda. I'm going to get them confused. Um, Amanda does not, though. Like, at one point, she says, you should just be honest. How does that feel? And, like, after Lily does it, and she says, uh, it feels really good. And she goes, yeah, it seems like it. Like, that's she can read people really well, yeah. but she doesn't have any response herself, which I think is very interesting because it's not that what we're typ- what we typically see in films and especially scary movies is uh, the inability to empathize, mm-hmm. right? But it does not seem like Amanda has that. She can understand how other people feel really easily. Yeah, and she can imitate. She understands when it's appropriate to feel different emotions. Well, that's different from actual empathy, right? Like she can she can have feelings of her own. She can recognize other people's feelings or recognize the pattern in when feelings happen in other people without experiencing yeah. well, without empathy, sympathy, and compassion are three completely different things, and not everybody's capable right. of doing all three at the same time. I would argue that Amanda is clearly capable of compassion, of doing the thing that she yeah, feels is... absolutely. Or, or of caring about how somebody else feels, but in a, it's, a, it's a much more limited way like she, she has like robotic compassion she's willing to take one for the team but not because for any of these like big selfless generous reasons she's just like i mean you need help and it's, i don't no, really I think care. it's exactly the opposite of that I think, like I think it really is selfless because she doesn't care about herself she doesn't i mean like she does it for lily because she's like i don't have a, you're right like i don't at the end when she's like uh what's the i mean i'm not trying to be an asshole but like what's the point of your life um and amanda can look at that logic and not you know, get hurt about it. She's like, no, you're right. And I get it. Oh, and see, that's the thing. I, that's where I get stuck on the, she doesn't have feelings thing because if she, that choice, that's that specific choice. Cause with, with honeymooner, I'm willing to go there that like, no, nah, she just was like a thing needs to be done. It seems like it should be me societally. I will do it. The thing for the, this sacrifice she makes on behalf of, of Lily that's where I'm like, do you, you care about this person? Cause you can't, I don't think it's Lily. caring. I think it's logical because of, yeah. uh, cause Lily made a good point. Yeah. I don't think. And it so was, Amanda says, okay. You, if you're logical, how do you look at Lily and think like, yes, the world is better if you're running around. I don't know if that's necessarily the point that was made. That wasn't a conversation we're delving point. into. Right. The conversation was your life is meaningless. I need you to take one for the team for me. And she was like, you're correct. My life is meaningless. You're right. And so it's she a took logical one for the team. argument. She was Dr. Right. Spocking yeah. it. They weren't talking. If she would have, if the conversation would have gone on longer and had more points and like, maybe it might've been a different outcome. But as far as that conversation that was had on film, 
logically that was the decision that was made. But it's everything leading up to that of, of it's, it's the moments that Amanda tells her like, no, you're not thinking rationally. Like we're not doing this just because you have a bunch of feelings about it. She has been setting up the fact that no, we're going to do like, I'll do plenty of stuff that other people wouldn't do, but I will do it because it is the thing that makes the most sense to do. And if you're not convincing me, then we're not doing it. And if you have had to tell this same person multiple times lately that also you probably shouldn't just like stab someone because you got your feelings hurt or you shouldn't stab someone just because you think they're mean, like you should stab someone because the world is better off without them and you know you're clear. She seems to make that choice really quick. That was the moment that I was like, I don't know about this no feelings thing. I, you have a, you have a lot of good reasons, many of which you've already enumerated. To say, no, <laughs> no, my life may be meaningless, but I'm actually not convinced yours is that much better. I'm not convinced that it's worth the trade. They weren't talking about if Lily's life was better than Amanda's. She just said, <laughs> your life is meaningless. And Lily, or Amanda said, you're right. And then chugged the orange juice. There wasn't Well, she didn't even say you're right. She just drank yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So, yeah, the conversation wasn't, should you live and should I take this one? It was, your life is meaningless if one of us has to go down. Like, I don't, it's just, it didn't seem like she was doing it to me because she yeah, cared but, about Lily. But no one had to go down in the exact moment that Lily was telling her this. Yeah, but teenage girls are dumb. Nothing had to happen. Nothing had to happen. She could have just said like, wow, yeah, no, glad I didn't drink this. Let's think this through and come back at it. She did it anyway. Nope. Quick, logical, rash decision-making. That's kind of her thing, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can even see that when... Yeah, you do see it um, because she's... uh, She makes all of that a ton of money at poker Mm -hmm. because she's doing all logic. Like, you can... Like, when she's waiting for um, uh, Lily to call um, and she just kind of looks over at her phone and then she just keeps playing poker. And you can see, like, the numbers just she's racking up. She's up. winning every yeah. hand. She's not also, her thinking. avatar is a horse. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, cool. like, she had full horse girl bedroom. <clears throat> it looked like, like Lisa's room. <laughs> I know. I was like, I remember going to that girl's room in school and being like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's change topics because we're just never going to agree right. on the conceit itself. You're right. And, uh... Let, we can. That's fine. We don't have to agree on it. it. We still have to talk about the other things. So, um, <laughs> also, we've all said everything that. I think like so, we've all yeah. made our points. <laughs> we none. All of us are going to be equally right and wrong about it, but they're all supported. So you guys can decide when you're listening. Also, thanks for sticking this through so far. We have had zero <laughs> jokes. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks. Um, let's talk so about. Oh, did you guys notice that this is supposed to be a thriller and there's uh, no violence against women in it? It's the only movie I could think of where there's Wait. where that isn't the case. I don't agree with that. There was, was I mean, are we just talking about like oh, yeah. just physical violence? Because he definitely like shoved some people and he definitely verbally and mentally was abusive to Tomorrow. his wife and Mark. to Lily. Mark was. Like, he grabbed her arm and shoved her and was horribly verbally abusive in that and, like, made decisions, manipulative decisions behind people. But so, like, while he may not have, like, killed a woman, there was definitely plenty of, like, female abuse. Also, was Honeymooner um, 
Do we do we know how honeymooner mm-hmm. um, identifies? <laughs> I don't think it told us. I don't know. Okay. It's whatever you well, want it to be. That may be some girl on girl then, because that ish that we did not see, thank God, having heard it described, was yeah. But you are right, like, Mary Kay, I can't think of, at least off the top of my head quickly, a horror movie where a girl does not die. At least. Right. So that is... I don't want to say refreshing because that sounds like I'm like heck yeah I killed a man, but it's kind of refreshing. Well, it's just really it's uncommon. Different. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Also, the the points that you're talking about where uh, Mark is reacting uh, at his machine being sabotaged, and he knows that Lily did it or she did it because there's no one else in the house that mm-hmm. we know of. Um, so. I, don't, I mean, they started it, I guess. That's <laughs> like what I'm also, trying to get at. Maybe that is the best ever evidence that Lily's brain is actually not firing, like, yeah. in all of the areas. Because, like, oh, the sound of rushing water bothers you? Right. The sound of flowing water hurts you, girl? Yeah. Is this, is this like, a generational thing where you're, like, so deep into a phone that, like, I don't... Come on. No. Everyone likes the sound of, like, water. I'm not entirely comfortable saying that she deserved abuse, though. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just like, yeah. Neither of us ah. are saying that. Okay, I think I just misinterpreted. Then when you said no, that I she think it was it a on. reaction, though. That it definitely seemed reactionary. So against a, a previous violence. My interpret yeah. my interpretation was yeah that like she had she had already decided for reasons yeah. that are have entirely happened off camera pre story that. Mark is an issue. I don't know if he was always like this or if she could tell he was going to be like this. But clearly, like, her intu- mm-hmm. intuition or her, or she had evidence, something was on point. It's clearly not the sound of water, though. People right. like the sound of water. So when she was like, ugh, it's his rowing machine, I was like, girl, that would put me to sleep every, oh my god, yeah. I would sleep like an angel. I would just lie yeah. there, curled <laughs> up, like I'm in a boat. Like ocean. a feral angel. Like Sleeping. a feral, like <laughs> we used to go sailing. My dad, my dad's dad, after he retired from the Navy, owned the marina back in Clintonville, Wisconsin, and he and my dad would build boats and planes and shit. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> so I was so we went out on boats, and uh, I would like curl up with a Walkman, very tiny. You can't see me, but I'm like acting this out for them. She's in the fetal position. Yeah, I would curl up with like hugging my Walkman so it wouldn't get all jogged around by the water. And, um, just the best sleep I've ever had. I don't understand. They, I, that's when I was like, it can't be the ergometer. He's actually terrible. I was more so thinking or, about the scene I think, with, when she was smoking, though. Yeah, so she, he's the only one who's ever given her any discipline. And that's why she hates him. He's not, like, an evil person. He's just like, don't that's, smoke in the house. Like, <laughs> But that's, that's not like, what he did, though. He, like, grabbed her and called her names and got like right up in her face and shoved her. And then also like the mom seemed really hesitant where she was like hiding in the tanning bed. And she's like, he likes me with color. And she was like, you're not like this. So like, she seemed scared of him too. And then he makes decisions to send her off to a school, which that might've been something that she needed. That's one thing, but it definitely needed to be a conference. I don't know. The entire situation seemed like she was the trophy wife that was scared of her hot headed husband. And Lily was rebelling against his outburst. I definitely felt like the, I didn't, I didn't realize how 
well, it actually built to this until it was happening that, that Mark was giving her shit about like, well, of course you can't, you can't see anybody else's point of view. You don't care about anybody else thinks you don't care. And you can't. Um, I was like, Oh, actually that is like the teenage brain. That is like your body is doing that to you. This is the part of your life that you need to just survive so that you can procreate. And yes, that is, that is very much what's happening in your brain. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of insulation happening there. And also we haven't seen any of that stuff. We don't know if he and mom had a nice conversation about it. We don't yeah. know if mom was like, I love myself with some color, but you know, I just, I feel like maybe I'm being a little irresponsible. And he was like, Hey, I love the way you look when you look, when you feel good about yourself. <laughs> right. I'm you're tanning bed. You know, like we don't, we don't know. What, and I don't know about y'all, but I have definitely like snapped on someone I'm dating and been just, just like, hateful and then later been like i'm so sorry i was i was so hungry <laughs> or so hungry. um my machine things... that i use every day broke and my nose is broken i've already answered your question kindly twice like that and yeah, everyone like, does that like yeah and not, i'm not excusing the way he spoke i'm saying that no I've, but i've yeah. spoken i've spoken cruelly to someone and then been like oh God, that was really cruel. But if that's the only I, way I he's portrayed in an hour and a half, then why would I be expected to think of him otherwise? Well, because the, I think the entire point is that we're seeing all of this from from Lily's perspective specifically. Right. And that then when he says, you don't care, you, you wouldn't even know. You don't know. That's when I was like, oh, I actually don't. And some of the stuff and, he's saying makes perfect sense to me because if I went to school with this girl, I would be like, mm, nah. Yeah, and Amanda is like, well, he didn't really, he he didn't attack you, and he only told you true things about yourself. You just didn't want to hear them. Like, he's right. Like, she was standing there with a knife ready yeah. for him to do some shit, and he didn't. Just <laughs> more execution than it is, I don't know. We won't, I'll, we'll spend an hour talking about that, too. We, I'll just stop. <laughs> no, I just, I think it's a really fascinating, I, I think that's, that's a question that's probably left either intentionally left way, way open-ended or, you know, maybe the filmmakers would be surprised to hear us going back and forth about it this much right now. I think it is supposed to be intentionally ambiguous so that you can identify with your protagonist. Like, she does kill him. She definitely does. And so we kind of, I mean, up until she walks up the stairs, it's like, yeah, bitch, do it. And then she gets up there and it's like, wait, it, oh, it's happening. Like, this is happening right now. Um, which I think is unsettling because we don't go up there with her. Yeah. And so we're just like, we just hear the ergometer stop. That sound, that sound, that sound. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about the sound. Yeah. Um, but I did want to talk about, um, cause we have Mark and we have Tim, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so Mark is a stepdad and then Tim is the guy that they blackmail into murdering him or they try to. The drug dealer, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, who has had a tough break and made a bad decision, um, but he doesn't have the class status to rescue him mm -hmm. the way yeah. that Lily does because they both got kicked out of school. Yeah. That's why she's in boarding school. Um, we And I think like those aren't equivalent offenses legally, but in school, Lily's is much worse because she plagiarized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and nope. Like, that's usually it. Like, another school does not usually take you if you plagiarize an assignment, even in high school. Um, but 
but she gets a second shot and, uh, and Tim doesn't, he's, um, literally washing dishes and I think an, an assisted living home. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys notice like, also she takes zero shit off of him. Right. Where she's like, I'll scream. I'll call the police. Leave me the fuck alone. When she's walking to her car and he's mm-hmm. like trying to be nice and he's a little bit creepy. You guys remember this yeah. at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did, so do you guys want to talk about that or should we skip it? <laughs> I, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm real hung up. Um, this actor, do you guys know about him? How does deal? The Anton? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. He died right after the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a freak accident. Car that was the, the, the car in the garage thing, right? Yeah, that story was horrific. Yeah, and so it just well, and so it makes uh, watching this when I realized who it was, and I was like, oh god! So it just made it all really like heavy and intense and bizarre. That you know, so much of this character's through line is this this futility, right? Big dreams, like he's so convinced. He he just stays convinced that he's going to make it. He's about to make it. The next thing is the thing. The next the next hustle is the right one. And knowing that, you know. Years, plural, before I even saw this movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was gone. I was just like, yeah, that's actually probably sadly accurate to the... Really creepy foreshadowing, kind of. Yeah, to this character's experience Mm -hmm. and that... Dude, there's nothing you can... There's nothing you're gonna do that breaks this through. Um, Yeah. Jesus. That, that, that's what I was stuck on a lot, watching. Okay, so where should we go next? <laughs> Let's talk about this production stuff! Okay. Let's hear it. Um, so, costuming-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I appreciated that it was two adolescent girls, or I guess post-adolescent, but barely... And they were not hypersexualized, which is what you see in nice. most thriller and horror movies. Like they did wear like these little dresses, but there was it was no it was not Megan Fox and Jennifer's body. No, and they were no. the same age. So, um, yeah, I I liked that. I liked that you could like uh, you could tell that they b- based on their clothing, even though they dress very differently, like they were from wealthy families mm-hmm. because of their clothes, like how well they fit and what style. And they're wearing white a lot too, um, which you can't do if you don't have someone doing your laundry on a regular basis. No, nope, that like, shit stains nope. and fades. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, I just wasn't allowed to for the same reasons I don't often wear it now, which is that I, um, I like to eat in a decorative way. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just telling somebody last night that, like, that's where all my clothes are black so I can drink red wine and gesticulate wildly. Oh my God. And so never, so like, you would never know. For a minute. Um, you know that I chopped off half my boobies real recently. It was a very Yay. exciting event. Everyone drank today rose. Anyway, <laughs> so, so what had happened was, like, uh, a couple weeks after the surgery, I'm sitting at, like, a restaurant or something with my mom, and I have my napkin in my lap, like a civilized motherfucker. And uh, I'm eating, 
Probably salsa, you know, chips and salsa or queso or something. Mm-hmm. That's always precarious too. Like any kind of dip, right? Yes. You got to lean over, or you got to get the hand under. You got to be fast, it. Yeah. but yeah, not too fast. Yeah, it slides off. So I, 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 I'm trying to eat this whatever this thing is, and something drops into my lap and lands on the napkin. I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad my napkin was there. And my mom was like, that's why you put it there. And I was like, never oh, worked before. Mom, not <laughs> always in the, the way. <laughs> Nothing has ever reached my lap before right now. Nope. Boobs catch everything. That's why they call them a rack. Oh my God. It was just like <laughs> that, that? that saves all my business for later. Yep. And if I was you dropped your earring, crumbly, it's in your cleavage. If I was eating <laughs> some crumbly, like, like maybe popcorn or something, that's like down in there. You find that you go in later. I could just like scoop it out. Oh my God, stop it, Mary. Right. So for gross. a snack. Yeah. <laughs> you that's why like we didn't have to take purses to the club, right? You just put it in your cleavage. It's there for later. Yeah. Or a snack, yes. if you are eating with a cupped palm from your cleavage, like Mary just did. <laughs> oh or, or best, best ever, is when you get home from the club, you take off the bra, and just like shit falls out, and yep. you're like, this is the best day! <laughs> I didn't lose Christmas. anything in the cab. No, it's all in my bra. Lever, and it's like coins start popping out. It's like, oh my god, jackpot! Except it's like, you know. Your boobs are a Vegas hard. slot machine. <laughs> my boobs are triple cherries <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh my gosh but anyway our protagonist did didn't do any of that stuff so that was nice <laughs> no, like, they were also, children like they're supposed to be <laughs> there was definitely a distinction between the way the, the, the two girls dressed as well yeah um, Lily had a, a very like very preppy very very clean very composed look the kind of thing you only maintain if you're not eating decoratively Sure. And Amanda dressed much more like a, you know, person. I like the scene Fletchy. where, yeah. is it Amanda? Yeah, man, I always confuse her damn names. Amanda got out of the shower and she kind of like styled her hair and pulled it back when it yeah. was wet to look like Lily. And she was just like, huh, posing. And she was like, fuck it. And just like shook it. I like that scene. That was cute. Yeah. I liked it too, because she's imitating mm-hmm. um, Lily's expressions too, which yeah. she does throughout the movie. Like, she, you see the picture over the mantle, and then she looks at herself in the mirror next to it and smiles like Lily has in the picture. And then at the end, right, we have the callback to that that moment because she was cropped out of that photo. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be a picture of yeah. both of them, and then they cropped it into a portrait of just a man, of just Lily. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but at the end, she does she imitates the smile without looking in a mirror. She imitates it like looking at the at the photograph mm-hmm. when she's in the. I don't know, corrected correctional facility or psych ward. It's hard to tell which it is at the end, to be honest. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and it also looks like even in dress, Amanda is somewhat imitating Lily, like not even just when consciously, but like that's how yeah. she's like, well, I thought I was getting away with it because nobody said anything. Yeah, and then that's how she navigates Lily's like, the world. Not. Yeah. Uh, but that's what she's doing is imitating the whole time. We were going to talk about sound effects, score, and music. Mary's favorite things. Beautiful. Mary's favorite things. It was the thing I... that I loved the most about this film. Okay. What did you like about it? I, well, one, it was just like beautifully integrated. I didn't notice it, but I did notice mm-hmm. it. And I thought it was especially captivating in the scene where he's outside playing tennis and it's really creepy and building, but it's perfectly timed with his movements and like his grunts with when he hits the tennis ball. So it just blended 
beautifully like score into the natural environment. And I just thought that was so well done. I liked it. So here is why you liked it. It is straight up theatrical sound design. Yeah, it is. This is exactly, first of all, and Mary Kay and I briefly texted about this, um, that when I was saying, Mary Kay and I texted about this briefly when I was saying that like, Oh, I rented it. I'm watching it on the plane on the way to Atlanta, blah, blah. Um, I was like, it's, first of all, it, it is, it is theatrical sound. This is the exact way I would execute the sound design if this were a play. And she was like, it could be a play, right? Like you could do this. I think I would like it more as a play. Oh, I think it would be a fantastic play. I think it would be incredible. Is, I would do, and I would do the sound very, very similarly. Yeah. Were mm-hmm. it me as a sound designer doing the sound for this. And also, it is literally theatrical sound design and not for the first two acts. Mm-hmm. That, that, that percussive mm-hmm. element, the like, dum, dum, that's from traditional Japanese theater. Like the Kabuki theater? Yes. I like it. Kabuki and no theater, that's that same kind of like, the percussive uh, marking yeah. of, of beats, basically. Of it's like, like a metronome. And, and then a thing turns. Well, it's, it's not... It is rhythmic, but also then the action in that theater is is designed to to meet the metronome, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that the, the beats, the events land there. Which arguably is what's happening here. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think also some of the stuff that I liked was... Um, it, it built in the world of like the diegetic sound of like the things the characters could hear with the mm-hmm. stuff that they couldn't hear. And I think that was really cool. Um, in particular when, so we have the erg right throughout, which is supposed to be very peaceful, but it turns ominous because we know that it symbolizes Mark and we're not really sure he seems volatile, what he's going to do or has done or hasn't. Um, but we know that we're supposed to fear him because Lily does, or at least she hates him at least. Yeah. Um, also, Amanda is the one who tells us that. Like, he comes in, and she's, like, super polite, and then he leaves, and then Amanda goes, you hate him. Why? Yeah. Right? Like, she interrupts the lesson to be like, why do you hate him? Um, also, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but in that first study session, when Amanda calls Lily out for feeling is when she literally jumps up, and she's like, we don't have to do this. Like, we can go do something else and hang out if you want, like, because that's how uncomfortable looking at her own feelings makes her. Yes. Um, but during, okay. So back to the sound part, right? Like the sound design and, uh, mixing the noises, we hear the erg and when it cuts off, um, and then we, the parade on TV that Amanda was watching before she got roofied or roofied herself kind of, um, doesn't, that sound doesn't go away until Lily comes back down the stairs, all bloody with the murder weapon um, and then we get like the tinnitus yeah. sound um, that we also get when Amanda kills the horse in the beginning. Yeah. And that's where I talk about this. Like, I feel like I keep getting the like crumbs dropped that like feeling is a, such a relative thing. We have no idea how anyone else feels. But, if that's but you the never sound do. Hear, like, no. But if that's the sound we hear when Amanda is confronted with putting Honeymooner down. And that's the sound yep. we get when Lily is confronted with putting Amanda down. Yep. Because that's not who she's putting down. Mark is not who she's putting down. Right. She's putting Amanda down. If, if that's a good point. Con- I didn't think about that. That's really cool. If, that is cool. If those are con- yeah, if those are congruent things, then I, Lily clearly has feelings about this. 
Yeah. Lily feels everything. She just doesn't think anyone else does. Well, and that's the thing. If Lily has these feelings and then we are set up sonically, right, for this to be a congruent thing, then does it follow that Amanda has feelings about what she's done to Honeymooner or what she's going to do to Honeymooner? Because it also seems like she kind of does because you know what? The only way for me to do that much savagery to an animal I love is if I fuck it up in the first place. If I thought I hurt like one of my animals so badly that it would suffer, I would put myself through some terrible shit to end it quickly enough that I thought it was done. Well, I think she she tries to do it effectively. Um, and she and one of my favorite lines is when she's explaining it to Lily while she's playing on that giant chessboard. Yeah. And she's holding the knight too, which is a horse, right? Like that's what it looks like on in that chess piece, which is really consistent imagery that is very cool. Um but when she's talking about it, she says, Well, she's I can't remember the exact quote, but she wanted her mom to put down the animal, but she had a weak moral constitution. And when you have someone like that running your household, I mean, what do you do? There's no way to regulate, uh, what did she call it? The intensity of the drugs on the black market. I ordered it, you know, on the internet so that I could do it the right way. And then I couldn't. And then I had to, you know, stick to my guns basically, which was like, I had made a moral decision. She had to carry and, out her decision. Right. And it was yeah. logic that made her be like, okay, so what's the next step? Right. Because I feel like any of us, when confronted with a mercy killing, if it didn't succeed the first time, would fall to fucking pieces. I think that's what people normally do if you have no practice at it. Um, But she doesn't. Right. Like she she carries it through. And because she failed several times first, but but stuck with it is why it looks like a brutal murder scene when they get there. That's not what it was supposed to be. Right. And I believe what she's saying. I mean, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe we have, like, that unreliable narrator thing, but I don't get that off of this. I don't either, but I also I also think that that's another relatable level. I, I don't think that any of the three of us would fall to pieces if it didn't go well. I think that if anything... I would, when, for sure. If you care that much, I, I, I would not be surprised for any of the three of us if that, that, like, panic of, oh, dear God, it didn't work became, like, I've now done a thing that I can't believe I did. But I did it because in the moment. I feel like I would fall to pieces. I like if, and I don't think I would be able to, if for some reason I made some weirdly morally justified decision to like kill my dog and it didn't work. I don't think I could then like end it. I think I would second guess what I did and fall to pieces and be like, holy shit, that's a sign I should not have done this. And I would have rushed to the vet to see if there's anything that could be undone. Well, that's the thing too, is that we all have at least 10 years on these characters age-wise. That's true. Um, I think that uh, part of it is, like, the lack of, their their lack of experience so far kind of colors what they do. Um, Because I don't do any of the same shit that I would have done when I was 17. Hell no, thank God. None of it. Yeah, none of it is the same, pretty much. Um, (laughs) Right, so I think that that's... That's a, an important thing to realize, too, is, like, our protagonists are children who think they are adults. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is one of the scary things about having teenagers in any horror movie is, like, no, you're a kid. You're being ripped in the other direction, but you, you your mind is still a child's. And that's yeah. no that's not your fault. Like, you're doing what you think is right, but it still isn't. Like, thinking it's right doesn't make it that way. 
always. Once again, there's just, there's a lot more at, at our current ages. There's more complexity about it, you know? There's saying, like, I... Like, for me, the complexity is saying that I, I don't... I'm not happy about it or proud of it, but that I might do... Yeah, and I think also this kind of goes back to the question that we started off with, was uh, which, which was, uh, what makes this scary? Um, and I think... Um, what you said in here about like the, the killing is not the scary part. It's the, the choice and then the seeing it through. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes it. Yeah. To me, to me, this wasn't scary in the sense that, um, it was, there wasn't like jumpy really Like it, it was, it was scary that when I sat and thought about it, I had to realize that like, well, I, I don't know what I do for my animals. And that's another thing that. Amanda says too, right? It's like the only thing worse than being incompetent or being unkind or being evil is being indecisive, which is what Amanda says. And it's like kind of true because then it's like you have no, um, you're just kind of shooting in the dark. You don't know what you're doing. You're not making conscious decisions. You also have no sense of authenticity either. Yes. You're constantly flip-flopping. Right. And if you, if you make a choice and you commit to it, then at least you know what you have to figure out how to live with. And people know what to expect from you and how to react to you. Right. And so I th- for me, that was what was, I thought this movie was scary, like, oh, oh no. But it made you think. You accessed a part of your brain that you hadn't gotten to before. Yeah, it was, it was scary. The scary part is clear. And that, I thought that was a clear point of view mm-hmm. from the filmmakers, that we, we don't see the violence. We don't see right. the blood. We don't see all of that is described to us. That's not the part that's important. The part that's important is how easily how we or not there. easily. We yeah. get to the point of doing yeah. this and then how easily or not easily we do it and how easily or most important. The scary part is not just the struggle of making the choice. The scary part is how many people we will drag in to this choice. The scary part is how many people will have to suffer for our fucking choice. Sure. Yeah. We'll can go with that. And I think also like the, and the, you kind of answered the question before I asked it, which is awesome. So that gets to make it sound like I had the realization and I'm making a really f- flawless uh, segue. Mm, so yeah. I'm going to give you credit for that. And then I'm going to take it mm. also. Um, there are so many follow shots in this that like, that's what a lot of the movie is. We have, uh, we're behind Amanda when she's walking into Lily's house. We're behind Lily when she's going downstairs to find her mom in the tanning bed. Um, we don't, Oh, so, like, basically, the audience is being sucked into these decisions with them, which is, I think, part of the intention of doing it that way. We don't, however, we think we're going to follow, uh, like you said, Lily upstairs when she goes to murder Mark, um, but we don't. We don't go up there. We don't see any of the gruesome parts um, be- because that's not the important part. The important part is her relationship with Amanda, and that's really cool. Um, also, I feel like we get their dynamic almost immediately because that dialogue is fucking on point. It is so flawless in the beginning, um, in the beginning especially, but even later because um, I don't know. I I can I mean you know that 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 that's the main thing that will throw a movie for me is like I don't believe that this person would have said this at all, and especially not that way. Like that's why like I kept shitting on Devil's Candy is because no, like that's not how parent. Parent and parents and kids communicate, and even though the acting was like almost made it believable in that one, but I feel like in this one right away I was like I understand um, their dynamic, and then also I feel like I've been in I've been a teenage girl before 
So I, I know how to read. What's when? What's <laughs> long ago. Um, you were wrong. Was it like in the dark ages? Oh my yes. God, about the dark ages. What was the okay, plague well, like? <laughs> teenage girls communicated exactly the same in the dark ages as they did now. Just kidding. There were no teenagers then. They were already wives and mothers. Um, there was no interim. You were a child and then you were an adult. Um <laughs> And then you were that dead. That's great for the purposes <laughs> of not being cut from cheerleading. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, so the the pacing in the dialogue, uh, in the beginning, I think my favorite part is that you could just tell everything was very intentional because the even the SAT questions that Lily's quizzing Amanda with are like, what is the tone of this of this passage? Is it you know a joyful B or whatever? And the answer and Amanda says way later, like after they're talking about how she hates Mark, um, the answer is D ambivalent, um, which I think is both really fitting for that, for that moment, because you don't know how Amanda feels because she doesn't feel. And then also that she can read feelings so well that she's like, it's very easy. Yeah. And then she says, my friend told me whenever the answer is ambivalent, you pick ambivalent, um, which number one, you don't have any friends. No one told you that. You're right. And number two, because feelings are not that easy to piece apart. The answer is always ambivalent. That's true. So I don't know. I just felt like it was like very embedded. Like if you wanted to go get into semantics, and especially in that beginning dialogue, you could, and everything would hold up. And that's yeah. Very if I uncommon. had to give this movie like five stars for anything, it would be the dialogue. Which at the very beginning, I was very briefly worried that it was going to take a turn and be like way too Gilmore girlies. Oh and like yeah, the dialogue, that's true. And it, it didn't it though. It got real, there, real fast. And it, yeah, and it. I appreciated it. The dialogue was spot on. The acting was spot on. I forgot her name. Yeah. She's the same girl that's from The Witch. Loved her. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. She's go. amazing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was nervous about that too, Megan, because it, they do they're back and forth really quick. Like they have a repartee going, yeah. and then I tried to even on like the second and third time watching this pinpoint the exact moment where I went from like ha ha to oh fuck and I can't like it just it happens really smoothly mm-hmm. at, or I think like at some point the other shoe drops where you're like it's you're not joking like this is not just you being clever this is really yeah happening yeah so you remember remember the whole checkout thing about the gun on the wall yep well my girl takes a katana off the wall I've got almost that same sword. Does that mean someone's going to die? It's in my bedroom on my bookshelf. Do you regularly take it off the wall and admire it lovingly? I mean, sometimes it's the replica from Kill Bill, and I like to pretend that I'm Oren Ishii. Yeah, but is it is it your sword, or are you going into a stranger's house, taking it down off the wall and admiring it lovingly? It was Andrew's, and now it's mine. <laughs> Girl, oh my god, is Andrew a stranger? Do you need help? <laughs> blink twice if you need help. Seriously? That's that's a, that's a wink. That's not a blink. Oh. That's very unclear. Oh my god. Blinking is a hard guys. <laughs> I'm just so naturally coy. The blinking is involuntary, actually. <laughs> you have to blink to stay alive. <laughs> um Oh, but back to the the sword yeah. on the wall. Yep. I think it's really cool that when Amanda is taking out the sword is when Lily walks into the room and Lily doesn't even say anything. Amanda just says, "Is this your sword?" <laughs> I think that's cool because <laughs> like, she just has no needs no pleasantries. Like she's just going right into it like I'm interested in this weapon and then it she says, "No, it's my stepdad's," but it ends up being hers mm-hmm. at the end cuz she 
kills him with a knife. Yeah, I like I like the uh, also the idea that like is this your sword? Why the fuck would it be her sword? Right. Right. In what universe is that her sword? Also, is that the first line of the movie? Maybe. No. No, because no. they uh, no. I'll get Lily. I think is what somebody says at the door, right? Yeah, they they, they actually visit. Well, no, they don't visit, but like there there's a couple of interactions before that. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like it, well, it's, it's like her, and then like someone goes after Lily, and honestly, the movie's several minutes in by that point. Like it takes its time with Sam. Yeah. I liked that though. I liked being able to just observe things that were happening without needing to. All like. So there's this thing that um, one of my dance instructors has told me where it's like, don't start dancing right away. Like, when you get on stage, you being on stage is enough of a change that people are already interested. Like, just be there for a second and let them kind of take it in. And I really like that 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 the movie starts that way. Um. So I'm going to go ahead and move on into the horse thing. Okay. Is that cool? Yeah, I think we did everything. Um, what's the deal with the horses? Why are there horses in this movie? I don't know. I don't either. I tried really hard to put the connection together. Obviously, there are horse things throughout, like her icon, her online icon, the title of the movie, that weird dream at the end where, like, she opens her mouth and a horse comes out and the actual horse in the beginning. And I personally feel really stupid because I could not put any sort of deep and meaningful tie together for any of it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't feel like I understood the, like, I, I saw it, it was a through line. I just didn't understand the significance of a horse specifically. Okay. Except as a, maybe as a symbol of privilege? I mean, I think, yeah, probably. Um, I think that it used to be a necessity for humans to have horses, and now almost no one has them because they're so expensive to keep up in both, like, food, health, training, um, just like managing them at all, like going to feed them several times a day, brush that, like to take care of them. Cause they're not really yeah. pets, you know? Um, they have to be, I mean, I know like dogs have to be walked and stuff, but like horses require a lot more effort. It's a lot, it's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of maintenance and they require a lot of space to maintain. Yeah. And time and, and money. Exactly. So that was the only thing I could think was that like, it just takes this much privilege for a horse to be healthy and successful. And then I was like, yeah, but I mean, humans aren't, is that the point that humans aren't like that, that we don't actually need everything that these girls have to be healthy. And so I don't, I, I just, I felt like I didn't get a good. Well, right. Like, I don't think there's like one right answer to like, what's the deal with the horses question. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it was something that I noticed that like it, it was definitely a running motif, like, throughout the movie, and maybe that's it, but I can't just say that about anything. Like, I know people are like, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, and I'm over here, like, Titus being like, oh, okay, but also, no. Like, <laughs> no, nothing is ever just what you say it is. <laughs> um, yeah. which is or the else it's just flaw. lazy, which is what you talk. <laughs> yeah, me. I really think that that can sometimes <laughs> be the case. Um, or at least like you have to, like if someone interprets it and it holds up, like if you do the argument that stands for itself, it's like, you have mm-hmm. to at least acknowledge that that's a possibility, even if it's not like what you agree with, you know? So I tried to think about it in particular, like 
it's the thing that gets Amanda in trouble. Although it's really what what she thinks is right. It shows her morality. Um, in per, in particular, like with Honeymooner in the beginning, and then also Honeymooner at the end. Um, because she writes the letter to Lily, and she says she keeps having two recurring dreams. In one of them, she has a horse head, right? Um, and I'm going to misremember this a little bit, but she has a horse head, and then someone, I think Lily keeps asking her what's wrong, and whenever she tries to respond, and then you have her opening her mouth and a Winnie coming out. Like you, that's a really cool scene too. I thought because I wasn't expecting that; it was very unsettling um, mm-hmm. when we saw it on screen. So we have the dream about that at the end, and then the other one is that she dreams that she's dying, and the horses are taking over. Right? Yeah. That's the other dream. She's like, it doesn't have anything to do with you at all. But I don't think. And this is just kind of me riffing because I didn't, I don't know, but it's interesting to me. So I don't know. It's worth talking about, I guess. Um, I mean, it's obviously purposeful. It's throughout the entire thing. I just couldn't personally figure it out, but it's, it's there. And I don't think that is one of those things like where I was like, where you say like everything has to mean something or else it's just lazy, but this was so consistent and so frequent. And it seems so purposeful that it's. It's got to mean something, and I'm just too dumb to figure it out. Well, I don't know if it's like a too dumb thing or it's like a purposefully ambiguous take away from it what you will horoscope type of analysis that you get to do or we'll interpretation. Go with that one. Yeah, we'll I don't think. <laughs> but um, so, but the thing that stuck with me the most was at the end when it's basically the human apocalypse, but Amanda is a horse. Yes, like she's honeymooner because horses. I mean, and you guys are going to give me shit for this, but they don't feel emotions the same way that humans do. They have instincts. They, I mean, animals just, I mean, like, there's no way for us to know one way or the other. I don't think that animals have experienced emotions the same way we do. I think they have, many of them have kinds. Sure. I don't think that they experience emotions in ways that are... Well, they're not associated with sentience, I think, is what it is. It's like if you can think yeah. about thinking, then you have to have a moral code. If you can think about mm-hmm. why I exist, then you have to have a reason, right? And Amanda doesn't. She doesn't, like, that's not, she's like, it's not, like, inherently evil. To, like, human life isn't sacred, um, which, and I'll, I'll say this too, and I'm going to get shit for this too, but um, uh, animals don't have morals. No. Okay. I don't think they do. My- <laughs> Buster, Buster is the most good boy trademark, but he is the most good boy because he is obsessed with me like a freaky, freaky stalker. And he wants to make me very, very happy. Yeah. And he can tell it makes me happy. And if I make, if he makes me unhappy, that is upsetting to him because that's not what he wanted. Yeah. It's not because the thing he did is bad. Right. He thinks the thing he did is bad. It's that it made me unhappy and that's disappointing for him because then he doesn't get the outcome yeah. he was hoping for, which is Mary is happy. Everything is nice. I don't think he's moral. I think he is obsessed with me, which is exactly what I have needed for the past year. A burly gentleman who cares only about my feelings. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think animals have, I'm going to be on the side of science and there are thousands of studies that say otherwise, but their morality is not the same as human morality because they're, 
conscious thinking is not quite the same as ours, but I mean, there's well, countless. Sure. I mean, that's, that was gay, like Jane Goodall's whole existence is that chimpanzees do have rational thought and they do have. Yeah, but we're just talking about horses here. Yeah, but like yeah. dogs have a code amongst themselves. No, I'm yeah. just saying I won't go. I won't go as far. I mean, science says that like animals do have moral rationality, but is it the same as our moral rationality? Like, no, by no means is it. Well, right, and neither is Lily's, and I think that's the thing that no. she's associating yeah. with with the horses. Mm-hmm. Um, which is because she she even says right like um it doesn't make me a bad person that I don't have feelings. I just have to try a little bit harder to see the morality the way that other people do. Yeah. Because it doesn't come naturally to me. And having a different, like, like I said, like my, my whole like healthy respect of horses thing is that there's a, there's a code. I just don't, I don't know it because I'm not a horse and I would have to learn it. And because I have not learned it at this point in my life for the moment, I just have to be like really, really, really like generous and cautious and respectful because there are a billion things I could do that are offensive or upsetting. And I don't even know what they are. So I could do yeah. them accidentally and you can kill me accidentally. Which, you know, fair enough, you're gigantic and I'm not. So I, I feel like animals having morality or a code, I, it seems obvious to me that especially certain species have an entire world, have an entire construct of society. They know right for wrong, but their right for wrong is not the same as our right for wrong, which is not the same as another animal's right for wrong. Yeah, and I don't fit in theirs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, sometimes there can be good overlap. Like, there's a cat sleeping on my TV stand and a dog sleeping in his crate, and we all have a happy life together, but I couldn't, like, bring home an orca Ooh. and expect that to go well. No. Even so, if I had a do you really guys, large fish tank. Do you guys, what do you guys think we are supposed to take away from this movie? Murder the people! <laughs> people are the worst! <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good answer. I, there are things now that we have been discussing it more that I've come to appreciate about the film more. I think now that Mary mentioned it being a play, I think the off screen violence wouldn't irritate me as much. I would appreciate it if it was a play that I've come to respect and appreciate the movie more as a whole, but in all truthfulness, it was not my favorite film. And I also did not take away a grand mortal from it. And that could just be because maybe I didn't find the thing that I relate to that lets me grasp on to a moral or point, but I didn't quite get it. I think that's fine. I mean, I don't know that it even has like a moral, right? I I wish it was longer and could have jumped into a couple more things. Well, I feel like um, for me, it was, it was beautiful. Like it was just so, beautifully executed in terms of you know, the dialogue's great, and, uh, the pacing is great, and the sound is great, and the visuals are great. But it wasn't until we were putting together the outline that I was like, oh, what do I have to say about this? Like, I, I enjoyed it. Is that all I have to say? And as we've <laughs> about, I've gotten a lot It entertained more. me. That was the point. <laughs> yes. That was, was the moral for Mary. Have a good hour and a half. And she yeah. did. But, you know, but that's something I did. And then as we've talked about it, I've actually... I've had a similar experience where it was like, as much as I enjoyed it, I, I've come to appreciate more about it. I think part of the reason that I walked away and thought, well, oh, well, maybe it was like just like a big, sexy, glossy music video for me. <laughs> was that... It is sexy and glossy, for sure. It is. And also, um, you name the movie Thoroughbreds. One of the major points is a horse murder. We're going to keep coming back to the horses thing. If we end the movie and I'm like, what the fuck was happening with the horses? Then I'm like, well... I guess it wasn't that kind of movie. 
that was fun. Clap, clap, move on to your life. You know, so I think the fact that I couldn't fully put together the horses thing beyond the privilege for yeah. me I was like, well, then I'm not going to bother with it. I had a great time otherwise and move on. Fair enough. Yeah. But I did think it was, it was beautiful to watch. It was beautiful to listen to. The performances were excellent. Like, yeah, there's no technical element that I can point to and be like, that didn't work. All of it worked. I'll agree with that. Have you seen that really dumb viral video that's going around the internet where it's clips of the office that have been put together to, with like horror music on top of it? And it's like, Shroot Farms, they never heard him scream. And it's like how you can just completely change the, what something is. Like you can make something so lighthearted. No. And, and so I'll send it to you after this. I was going to say, I'm actually like deeply offended that you haven't sent this to me by I'm now. I'm so sorry. I thought you'd seen it. <laughs> I'll send it to you as soon as we're done. But it's like taking these clips from The Office and you'd like put a black and white filter over it and you change the music a little bit and take out, you know, some of like the humorous clapbacks and whatnot. And all of a sudden, like you're convinced that you're watching a trailer for this incredible horror film. And at times after Andrew and I finished watching it, I was like, I can tell that I should have enjoyed this maybe more than I should have, but I felt like I was watching the Juno version of that office video at times. So, yeah. and I don't know, like something about it just seems like it was supposed to be like a quirky indie film, but then there was like this really deep soundtrack and I didn't quite find the disconnect. And I think that frustrated me. So I was just like, eh. but like, it was beautiful. There was just something about it that disconnected for me. So I, yeah. Mary Kay, is there a point? Please tell me there is. Um, I don't think that there's like one point that we're supposed to take away Yeah, for sure. But I like that. I like that. Um, I really don't like it when people let the moral get in the way of the story. <laughs> um, okay. and I don't think that that one did. I mean, I wasn't saying that you guys were doing that. I mean, when I said people, I meant like, I don't well, like no. it when writers the uni- are like, like the this you. is the moral. It's a nice bow at the end. And when, when, uh, the mermaid died, she became a daughter of the sky and so every time a child you was mean good, like, <laughs> on the ocean. No, a daughter of the wind. Sorry. Yes, that's what happens at the original fairy tale. And so whenever children were good, it took one life, one year off of her sentence before she could go to heaven. Whenever a child is bad, it added five years. Like I don't like it when that's on the end. Like let me do it, right? <laughs> don't tell me how to feel about it, right? Are you saying it's supposed to be intentionally ambiguous, where like everybody can take away kind of their own relative thing from it? It can mean different thing to different people. No, I. So I think that like. Sure, there's wrong answers, but I think that having a a little bit of you getting to take away from it what you got out of it kind of makes it a little bit more accessible as a film, and it also makes it a little bit better because it doesn't – it's not super dry. It hasn't been done to death. Like, they marketed it as a cross between American Psycho and Heathers. Like, okay, like, you need to go see that movie, right? Like, both of those are like – classics that people adore and then when you watch them again now it's like what do you mean feed me a cat the fuck is this right like it (laughs) later doesn't make sense but I feel like with movies like this that do have somewhat ambiguous endings and and, uh takeaways yeah it lasts a little bit longer because you depending on how you're living apply a new meaning to it so Whenever I don't know it offhand, I like to look at the ending and beginning a little bit more closely because you remember the middle, like what happens. Um, But the end is when Lily sees Tim again when he's her valet, right? He's not – he didn't rise very much. I mean, valet's better than dishwasher for sure. 
but um, she's going to a college meeting because she's in bereavement again, right? Like that's how mm-hmm. she got in. That's how she got into the boarding school the last time as they were friends of her dead fathers. Yeah. And now she has another dead dad that she can ride his coattails. Um, so it, classism is a big point, I think, in this. Um, and then also uh, Tim kind of asked without asking, you know, what's the deal with you and Amanda? Uh yeah. While implying, I'm not going to snitch on you. I know better. Like, I know I have no power in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amanda totally, I mean, Lily totally throws Amanda under the bus. She's like, you, you know, I didn't yeah, want to do she it. She just wanted to do it. Yeah. So I let her. Um, and then she sent me a letter. And then Tim says, and then, so then we have the flash to uh, um, Amanda, Amanda. In, in the facility telling her about these dreams. And then we cut back to Lily and she said, I don't know. I just threw it away. So I'm not sure that that's true. <laughs> Number one, yeah. like, I don't know that she did throw it away. Um, and also, uh, so Lily is for sure our monster now. Like, that's what I thought in that scene. Yeah. Like it switched where we thought that Amanda was going to be the bad influence. Right. And then it switched to this. They couldn't be friends still though, even if they wanted to. Could they? Doesn't she need to kind of keep up that facade that Amanda just killed her stepdad? Sure. Yeah. But it was also her grand plan. Like, she was going to do it well, with yeah, her without Well, yeah, I just meant as consent. far as, like, public appearances, as far as, like, now, like, Amanda took the bullet, so it would be suspicious for them to still be, like, close and her hanging yeah. out with her if the whole thing was supposed to be, I didn't want this, and Amanda killed him. How much of the bad guy can you be if your entire worldview is utilitarian? What makes sense? What is the best thing to do? Versus what's good for me. Yeah. Well, well, right. I just think it's a, a scary concept that someone doesn't mm-hmm. have feelings. Like that, that is inherently scary that someone does not feel. Right. When, when what we're yeah. actually scared of is you don't think I can feel, which is what Lily mm-hmm. is. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So then if Lily's are, I mean, this is oversimplified, but if she's our sociopath and she's right about somebody that she wants to throw under the bus, not having feelings, she doesn't. And she can do that. And it's fine. Like, that's really scary to me. <laughs> like, ugh. yeah. Yeah. And then also I'm wondering like if Amanda's like a little bit more highly evolved because she doesn't make emotional decisions. She can do things on the basis of morality. Yeah. Well, she's our Dr. Spock. She's doing, it's just strictly... How does this benefit the greater picture instead of just what do I get out of this? Again, that's where I get stuck. If the better, if the bigger picture is that Lily is the one walking around. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. Then why, then how is that the logical decision for Amanda? Because it's not, it's the greater picture doesn't just involve Lily. Greater picture involves Mark is in their eyes, a bad person. And this gets Mark out of the picture. And she doesn't seem to agree with that. Lily gets out from under. Well, I think in that situation, she didn't stab him in that exact moment because the moment was that he, their thought was that he was going to come in and physically harm her and attack her. And she didn't. And he was saying not in a good way, but was saying truthful things. She was like, he didn't put it like he didn't hurt you. And he was just saying things you didn't want to hear. I can't kill him for that. Like, so why, so why agree to let somebody else kill him when he's done even less? I don't, I don't know if I would say he did anything less. I think that if Lily is dead set on doing this, she's not going to let her go down for it. That's what I'm saying. To me, that that's where we ran into the whole, like, how is how is that the logical thing to do? Lily's going to do it because whether Amanda Lily... takes the fall for her or not. 
Well, so maybe that's the point then, right? Is to yeah, make you wonder say, about that, that question. Yeah. yeah, and maybe it's not like a moral, but so much as so a thesis doesn't have to be a statement, right? It can yeah. be like think about this idea. Yeah. Um, so maybe okay. that's it then. Um, but I don't have like I didn't have like an answer in mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, should we close it out? Let's do it. Okay. So in this movie, one of my favorite scenes is when Amanda is making herself cry by using the technique. So the closing question is, what is the best thing you've ever used the technique to get into or out of? Do it, Megan. You can fake cry. Neither of us can. (laughs) I'm not going to fake cry right now. No, I mean, I'm not. What did you tell (laughs) us? Tell us was what I was trying to say. Literally, there was, I'm going to go ahead just because it's like a lighthearted one. One time when I like wasn't feeling super great, I wasn't feeling bad enough to like get out of doing things around the house. And Andrew was home on his off day. And I was just being whiny on the couch and he was already doing something to be helpful. And I didn't want to do the dishes. So I just laid there and looked extra pitiful with like tears in my eyes. I was like, I know I need to do the dishes. I just can't get up right now. He's like, I'll do the dishes for you. I'm like, you're such a good husband. And then went back to watching Netflix. I don't do it frequently, but I felt pitiful (laughs) enough in that moment to do that. So (laughs) he's too nice to question it. So no, no parking, no uh, driving tickets and stuff like that. No, I've done that before. That's true. I have cried my way out of tickets. What about out of like punishment at work? Or not punishment, really but like, in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to get out of I've never really gotten in work. trouble at work. Okay. Mm-mm. I have cried my way out of like being late on a paper though. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like the paper was late and I wanted to turn it in, but like not have a late grade. Yeah. Or like a late penalty. I have like come up with a sob story for that. Interesting. Yeah. What was the story? Uh, probably something stupid and completely <laughs> made up. <laughs> it was the crying that worked. Yeah, it was. I was going to say it didn't matter what I was saying. It was you know, like incoherent mumbling with some fake tears, and they were just like, "If you stop crying, I'll let you turn it in." But it's got to be in tomorrow. Oh my gosh, what a weak, what a weak constitution! <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh man, that would never work on me. It would just make me irritated. I think. But I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a professor, it would work on me as like your friend. <laughs> it wouldn't work yes, on me as like your teacher. <laughs> I'm a hard ass. What about you? I need more time to think about it. Go, Mary. What about you, Mary? I I I cry pretty readily, but I, I cry for real. I me too. <laughs> like I've used real crying to get in and out of stuff, but not like consciously because it was feeling for real. But yeah, no. I mean, outside of the occasional like, uh, uh, I'm sick. Colin, over the years, I, I, I think I, that counts. That's still mimicking like a thing. It's imitating an emotion that you weren't really yeah, feeling. Exactly. That's still the technique. Now that we can text, less so. Yeah, I was going to say it is easier now in the digital age. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I just I uh, wear my heart on my sleeve. So if I am at the point where I would Same. need to. Be- quote-unquote faking something i'm not faking it anymore like i'm just actually upset maybe that's why because i'm the exact opposite people really don't know shit has hit the fan for me until it's gotten to the point that i'm like let me tell you about the last two years of my life i think i literally just did that to mary Kay in her living room when you were just like so how's this one very specific thing and i was like (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) about everything that's ever been wrong in my life ever (laughs) oh my gosh that's so so awesome yeah um, 
trying to think of a time I've used the technique. I don't, I haven't done the crying part. Have you ever pretended to be happy when you were not? Oh yeah. I'm not very good yeah. at that though. Um, yeah. A lot of bridal showers. Got to pretend mm-hmm. to be happy when you're not. Uh, Rude. Weddings. Although this one was not that case. Um, baby showers especially are the worst. They're the worst. Baby showers are the worst because you can't drink at them. You can't drink at them because... and you have to play a bunch of dumb games with people that you don't know. <laughs> yeah, baby showers are the circumstance where you're most likely to spend time with all of your friends' friends that you didn't actually want to be around. Yes. Like, that's why you only see them at the bri- at the baby shower and you didn't, like, hang out with them any time before now and you'll, like, never see them again. Yep. It's fair. Yep. I feel like baby showers are the worst... The others are like hit or miss, right? Like weddings mm-hmm. and, and bridal, bridal. A bridal shower can be super fun. It a bachelorette party can be super fun. Can, they can be. They can be. Yes. Oh my god. I was so proud of myself. I went to this wedding. I was like, oh, I killed. I wore my lemonade but tight dress. Uh-huh. Oh my god, I did it. Yep. And then I, uh, the, the next day, got a text from my best friend that was like, oh my god, Keith gave me the surprise of my life. He proposed last night. And I was like, Bitch, who is Keith? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who My is best Keith? friend since we were 15. Got engaged to a guy she started dating in February. Oh. That's pretty I know. Well, I, I guess hope we that works that. out well for them. I've heard nothing but rave reviews. I have no reason to be anything but excited. I just also was like, uh, can I have one post-wedding high for <laughs> right. one time? God. <laughs> Congratulations, Keith and Mary, on your marriage for life and whatever. But I had a really good weekend. <laughs> that selfish bitch. How dare she? Jeez. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. So happiness technique. I feel like also, here's another time you use the technique, right? Uh, is and I don't I don't think this happened at your wedding either, Megan, but every other wedding that I've been in. And that wasn't in this one that just happened, but like you put on the happy face for the bride, everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. And then someone is, you take her phone. It's like, why are you texting the problem to the bride? You fucking monster. (laughs) Right? We are a team of trained professionals as bridesmaids built for this purpose. We are a fence. Like we're going to make this problem go somewhere else without her knowing. Like (laughs) that's what's happening. That's probably the technique that I've used the most. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Okay. What are we doing next time? One of my favorite movies ever in the whole world. Uh, We're doing Night of the Living Dead, 1968, uh, Mr. Romero film. And we're having our good friend, Jack. Yay, Jack. You guys have been listening. He was the wonderful good sport on good the sport. Evil Dead episode. Really good sport on Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to have him back. It's one of his favorite films too. Me so too. that'll be good. Yay. Yay. Okay. Good night. Good night everybody. Good night. Or good day. Good morning. <laughs> have a nice time. Bye. <laughs>